Bethlehem in the land of Judea of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. Far from you shall come a ruler, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word, so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Christine. Years ago in Lee Summit, there was a pastor by the name of Hubert Neff. Hubert spent about 16 years at Lee Summit. and There were moments in worship where things would transpire that would move the people. And Hubert, you know, often before it was his sermon time, Hubert would simply get up and he'd say, Boy, I can't say anything more than that. He'd pray and he'd let everybody go home. Thank you, Stacy. <laughs> However, uh, just a quick moment of, of personal privilege before the, the sermon this morning. I'd like to say just a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'd like to say thank you to Allie and Denny and Dale for leading all of our worship last weekend. If you did not know, last Saturday we had Happy Birthday Jesus, which for us is pretty much a worship service for the kids. And we had about 90 kids. How many of you adults, by any chance, volunteered to serve those 90 kids? Would you just simply raise your hand, stand up? A number of you. Thank you so much for spending time, just a Saturday morning, helping kids hear the wonderful story of Christ's birth. And I hear that it was exceptional. I think it's the best word that we could use for it. And the cantata on Sunday. Did you enjoy the cantata? Would you say thank you to what choir is left this morning? <laughs> Yeah. You know, to, to be able as a senior pastor to have a Sunday where I can be absent and know that everything will continue in our form and our tradition and it will serve Christ and serve the community is a blessing. I got asked if I was sick last weekend. I was not sick last weekend. I got accused of being in the Bahamas. I was not in the Bahamas. I'll tell you that right now. And Larry Jones said that he saw me on an airplane traveling to Palm Springs with him. I told him it was my doppelganger because I was not in Palm Springs either, right? Actually, last weekend, my daughter, our youngest daughter, had her senior art exhibit at Malone University in Canton, Ohio. She is finishing her art education and art history degree, and she had to do her senior exhibit. It found itself on a weekend where I could be absent, and so I, my wife and I traveled along with our grandsons and other family members to be out there to support her. Because if you think about it, this is one of those once-in-a-lifetime kind of moments for her. And it's important to have her family around. 
And, and here's what I would say to you, dear friends, is, is I count it a privilege as your pastor to know that you will let me do those things. That it's not just about pastoral ministry, but that you support my family and my family life as well. That is a gift from you that's very generous, and I deeply appreciate that a lot. And I want to make sure that you know that. So thank you so much for allowing us the opportunity to be at that moment for our daughter and to celebrate with her. All right, now on to the message. I'll keep it brief. Let's pray and go home. No, just kidding. As you all know, our journey through Advent has been centered on this theme of light and these different moments that light has been present in this story. We began it by talking about Mary and her story and the appearance of an angel of light who comes to proclaim a message for her. For Joseph, whose angel, that moment of light is in a dream that is a moment of encouragement. Last week, uh, even though we had that that, uh, cantata, I I hopefully gave to you the the going deeper piece and the story of the shepherds who also saw a a crowd of shiny angels in the light in the field that guided them in to see this Christ child. To know that in this story, the light of God has a very specific purpose. In all of these stories, there's something that this light is supposed to be doing with these characters, leading them somewhere on a mission of some kind. To think of Mary as the one who becomes the Theotokos, as the Greek says, or the bearer of the light of God, the child of God, this Christ, who would bear Emmanuel, God with us. For Joseph, who who had in his mind to do justice, but God calls him to a greater form of that, to take Mary as his wife, to bear the son, to name him Jesus, to graft him into his family as his own, to form a greater form, uh, to perform a greater form of justice than what Joseph could even imagine. The light guides him there. The shepherds are guided to come and see this Christ child in a manger and then to go out and be the first public witnesses who glorify and praise God for what they have seen and witnessed that day. Now we come to a story of some guys who are astrologers from a faraway land who see a light, and that light guides them to something they did not expect. To come see a child, to worship that child, and to offer their best to that child. You think about the light of God as a leading light. It's beckoning each and every one of us to come and to follow. The question is, is how far are we willing to follow this light that is present in our lives? How far will we let it lead each and every one of us? When I think about youth group growing up, I grew up in a fairly large youth group, to be honest with you. The church that I attended in the mid-70s to the late-70s, our average worship attendance was over a 1,000 every single Sunday, which was a big church in the 1970s. Our youth group had about 150 kids in it on average, and we came from all over the south part of Kansas City. We had kids from Hickman Mills and Ruskin, from Center, Lee Summit, Grandview, Belton, all of us. We, we gathered together in this youth group every single Sunday. Periodically, we would divide ourselves up and we'd have little competitions. And the competition would be to engage your friends and invite them to some kind of event that the youth group was sponsoring or some kind of meeting that, that we were having. having. And, and our youth group leader would assign captains to these small little groups. 
And your challenge was to lead your group to engage more people. That was your, your task. Now, if your group lost that week, there were some consequences. So you, you might find yourself eating a small cherry pie without a fork and your hands. Or you might find yourself eating a, a piece of octopus tentacle off of a, a little small toothpick. Or the other one that was really fun was to consume some milk out of a baby bottle in front of all of your high school friends, right, in youth group. These were the kind of the consequences. Now, that was not necessarily the whole kind of element of this. What I came to understand, and I was a little slow on the uptake on this, go figure, right? but what I, I eventually came to figure out was our youth leader was creating other leaders, He was trying to figure out how to be a leader of leaders and those to be leaders of other persons and people. To create a group that would be able to solidify through that leadership and change the dynamics of our local area and our culture. A moment of honesty, though, is is I wasn't always one who wanted to be led in this. There there was a moment in my own life where I decided that I'd had enough of youth group, I'd had enough of church, I'd had enough of being led, and I disappeared for about a year. But the interesting thing that I found, though, is in that the light of God was still present in my life, leading me even though I wasn't facing the light of God. I might have been traveling away from it, but God's presence was still there. You think about who has been present in your own life that has led you, that has mentored you along the way, has caused you to, and has been the impetus to something in your life where you've achieved more than you thought was possible, maybe even crafted within you the leadership skills that you now exhibit in whatever organization or or place that you find yourself. One of the best stories in Scripture of that model of mentoring a leader, it comes from Jethro and Moses. We all know the story of Moses. Moses was God's agent who comes in and delivers the people from bondage and slavery in Egypt. He he brings them out of Egypt as God's servant. But in that, he assumes a very heavy mantle of leadership. And part of that process becomes the discernment between those who are disputing one with another. He finds himself to be judge and jury of every single one of those disputes in this large mass of people who are wandering through the desert. Jethro, his father-in-law, comes to him and says, you need to set up a better process for this. You need to create leaders. Leaders of ten. Leaders of fifty. The leaders over the hundred, the thousand. So that as these things bubble up, only the major issues come to you for discernment and judgment. Moses, you need to lead other leaders. And so that... That was Moses' mentor, Jethro. He was the one that led him. You think about in your own life who it might have been for you. Maybe it's a family member, a close friend. It might have been a college roommate or a professor that formed and shaped you in a different way. A leader in your field of expertise that took you under their wing and gave you knowledge and skills. It might have been a wise soul at church that simply shepherded you along the way. Who has been the leader in your life that's led you to greater things, new possibilities? Now think about this. Think about how far you were willing to go to follow. To let them lead you in these new paths and these new ways. In the Matthew of God, uh, the Gospel of Matthew, we read the story of a group of Gentile astrologers who follow a new star. 
something new that appears in the heavens, and it leads them to a place. They are willing to go as far as that star would lead them. You think about it as something new that's going on in the, in the astrology of the world. They were certainly astrologers is what we understand. In the ancient world, astrology was a common thing. Interpretation of the stars was something that went on in almost every single royal court. In Persia and Babylon, there was a priestly class of men who studied the stars and looked at them for these new phenomenons. It was their way of telling of new coming events that might happen. The astrologers of this day saw a new light in the heavens. According to historians there is, and writers and interpreters, there was no natural phenomenon of the day that had been recorded. No comet, no known kind of astrological event that would circle around through whatever the periods of the stars were. It was something brand new that transpired. And for them, what they interpreted this new star to mean was is that it was the birth of a new king. That's what it meant for them. And so they decided to follow this star, to let it lead them as far as it would, to take them to see where this new king is born. And they travel. They travel from the east going to the west, and they come to Jerusalem. And in Jerusalem, of course, we know that Herod was the king at the time. They enter his court and come in, and they ask, where is this new king of the Jews? They've come to Jerusalem, so it was natural for them to assume that if this is where the star has led them, this new king must be a Jewish king. And so they ask where this new king of the Jews is. And then from there, they are led a little bit further, about another six miles to Bethlehem. And they come into the house where now an approximately two-year-old Jesus and his mother are residing. And in that moment, they come to worship. To worship this new child, this new king. To bow down before him in this moment and to offer the finest gifts that they have to give. For they have come to greet a new king. If you think about these wise men and what they might represent for you, for me, in this story, they represent a curious, open kind of person who is willing to follow this guiding light of God wherever it might take them. They represent a willingness to journey whatever distance was required for them to ultimately reach the destination that the light has in mind. And in it, there's a resolve to follow it all the way so that they might meet the objectives of worshiping God and worshiping this new king and offering their very best gifts in that moment. These wise men, in in my mind, are, are, are the antithesis. And in the interpretation of the story are the antithesis of Herod and those that they initially greet, the, wise, the elite of Jerusalem. If you think about Herod and, and those that are in Jerusalem, they represent something a little different in the story. They represent resistance. A resistance to follow this new light. The newborn king of the Jews, this Emmanuel, God that is with them, they are resistant to that. Especially for Herod. And Herod's the current Edomian king. He is the one who is reigning by the rule and the power of Rome that likes his authority and likes him in power. He rules with an iron fist. He's going to hold on to that throne as tight as he possibly can. And now he's got Persian astrologers who tell him there's a newborn king of the Jews. Someone who has a legitimate claim to David's throne that has been born in his province. He isn't really going to give over his throne that easily, is he? No. 
He's resistant to this light of God that is present and among them. And the Jewish aristocrats and the elite, of course, they're resistant as well because this newborn king presents a challenge to their social order, presents a challenge to the delicate balance between them and Herod and their wealth and all of their systems. There are those who are willing to follow the light of God wherever it would take them and there are those who are resistant to this light because it's going to create change that's uncomfortable for them. If you think about it, ultimately Herod and the Jewish elite in Jerusalem represent those who would prefer to lead themselves and not be led. How many of you remember the famous poem Invictus? It has the line in it that says, I am the master of my own fate. I am the captain of my own souls. You've heard the line. If you think about Herod and the Jewish elite, they operate under that principle. And the captain of my own soul and the master of their own faith. They did not want to be led by the light of God to worship God or to come to offer their best. They wanted to preserve things as they were. You think about the purpose of Advent and Christmas. There's so many different facets to Advent and Christmas. So many different things to it. One of those is, is to remind us that God's light is still a leading light. It is present in our world. It is an invitation that wants to lead us to new places. To come and experience the light of God, Emmanuel who is with us still, that we might go and serve in that same one's name. Anyone can follow this light. And anyone can go anywhere because of this light. So here's what I'd invite you to consider today. Are you on a journey to follow the light that is present today? Is it leading you somewhere that you might come and worship God who is with us and offer your very best? Or do you find yourself a little resistant to that journey today? Or maybe you're one who is on that journey, but you're only taking measured steps of the journey. You're following the light only so far. And the invitation today is to follow it a little bit further. To let it take you to new crevices, new places in your heart and in your life. To the world that is beyond just the sphere of your comfort level. The only way the world, I believe, is going to continue to see this message of God who is with us, to see it in action is to experience the light that's present in every single one of our lives. The light that's leading us to new places as a community of faith and is leading us out into this dark world that's around us. So here's what I hope that you hear today and and maybe take away from this moment that we've had together. To be reminded that, that all of us in some form or fashion, we've been shaped by someone who has invested time and energy to mentor us, to lead us to new places. That the light of God led a group of very curious men who came to a place where Jesus was, and in that they worshipped this Christ child and they offered their very best to Him. And that's the same invitation for you and for me today. To let that light lead us to the place where we might worship God this season where we might also be a people that offer our very best. And that that light be so ever-present in our hearts and our lives that it shines forth in the world today. So here's your invitation in this moment. 
to maybe think and, and just wrestle with a little bit. Are you at this moment a little resistant to the presence of God's light in your life? And why? Or, as I said, are you just taking kind of some measured steps to follow the light? And what will create a greater opportunity for you to follow it a little bit further out of your comfort level? And for those of us that are following the light this Christmas, that are on that journey and engaged in it, how much further can you go? And what are you seeing transpire in your life and in the world around you? Here's what I believe, friends. I believe that every single one of us today can come and we can join in. We can gather together and follow the light of God together. And in the following of that light, we're going to come to the place where Jesus is. We'll experience that Christ child ourselves, worship him, offer our best to him this season. But more importantly, we'll take that light then to the world that needs to experience it just as much as we do. Will you join me now in a moment of prayer? So gracious and holy God, we come before you in this moment and we are thankful for your light that leads and may be leading in our hearts and our lives today, challenging us to go another step a little further, inviting us to come and experience the Christ anew today and from that to worship, to worship with our best gifts. Oh Lord, we ask that that you receive them today as we offer all things to you. But more importantly, help us to see the vision that that light is not something that's just for us, contained within just us, but that it is a light that is for all the world. And so we pray that you might shine through us so that others might come to worship you to offer their best. For that is the best that we can give this Christmas. The presence of life.